This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International or PSI warm line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rocks. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Rowan with Preggers Can Be Choosers, and I'm one third of the group. And I'm a local midwife here in Houston, Texas, and we're talking about boundaries today and boundaries for ourselves and setting ourselves up for success. So the group's going to introduce themselves and then we'll get to it. So Mama D, why don't you take it away? Hi, I am Mama D. I am a birth worker in Houston, mom to three kids, four, two, and six, seven months, almost seven months. Um, I'm pregnant with a fourth. It was a surprise baby. And I'm going to have Irish worms. Woohoo! So, it's exciting <laughs> and scary. Kaylin, <laughs> you want to go? Sure. I'm trying to get my computer to work as well, so we'll figure that out. Um, and maybe it worked. Um, hi, I'm Caitlin. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old who are in school. And currently, my oldest just got over pneumonia. My youngest has an upper respiratory infection, and I am getting over bronchitis. And my husband is now getting sick, which is absolutely fabulous. Um, so yeah, um, my son, my second son's first week of school was cut short. So, like, everyone's like, oh, how are you doing with your new break? And I'm like, oh, didn't actually get it yet. But, you know, new normal's coming. And that's, yeah, that's it. That's well said. The new normal is coming. The new normal is coming. So, Mamadi and I were talking a little bit about boundaries. So, let's hear what you have to say about that, Mamadi. Yeah, so I think I think just because of like this new birth that's coming, I'm trying to figure it out, um, you know, how to make things easier on me. And then with my last birth, um, there were certain things that weren't met to my expectations. And so I think like I'm having to, you know, you always talk about like, okay, set boundaries for people, you know, like you don't want this many visitors coming to you or, um, you know, whether that's during your birth, after your birth or postpartum in the house or, you know, my husband and I figured out after our third that people that I wasn't comfortable breastfeeding in front of could only stay over for 15 minutes to come see us. That was like it. They had 15 minutes to come say hi, drop food off, you know, see. I always say that. I always say that if you are not comfortable tits out in front of them, they don't need to come over. 
Yeah. Like, why are they there? Because that yeah. just keeps you from nursing that baby. Yeah. yeah. And that's and your number one project, right? Versus yeah. have the baby, survive yeah. that, have the baby survive that. And then the second is to start feeding the baby, right? And we all know that breastfeeding is not, you know, a lot of times this glorious one and, you know, you know, it just takes some work sometimes, right? So, yeah, that's a great, that's a great mantra right there. Yeah. And we, I had like, so with my third, on day four, my milk came in and our neighbors came over uh, to drop off food. But then, you know, of course they came in and our neighbor is, they're really like sweet. I, I really genuinely love them. Um, they're an older couple. All their kids are moved out. You know, they've got like all their grandkids. Um, but <laughs> the, the husband and my husband talk Lakers. They're like big Laker fans. So when they start talking basketball, it's like, you forget like what's going on. And my milk came in as soon as they were like, they came over. So I started like leaking, like really big all of a sudden and the baby was crying and I was looking at kind of like, can you help me like get everyone to leave? Like, cause I can't get up. Like I physically could not get up without someone holding the baby. And then I had to, you know, have someone help me get up just because after each baby, I swear postpartum healing is tough. And, uh, I was only on day four and, um, yeah, it was like, <laughs> I called my husband. And he looks at his phone. I'd send him text messages like, wrap it up, let's go. And I called him and he looks at his phone and he's like, you're calling me. And I was like, yes, I'm calling you so you can look at your phone. And so he didn't get it. No chill. No chill. You're calling me. Yes, motherfucker, I am. Get a clue. Oh my gosh. And so finally, after he didn't get it, I was like, well, thanks so much everyone for stopping by. I really appreciate it. You know, we'll, you know, talk to you guys soon. And then they all left. Um, but yeah, after that, we decided, okay, 15 minutes for those that I just wasn't comfortable with um, seeing. Because yeah, if you want to bring food over, I'm all about that food. Um, so, you know, I think we've talked about setting boundaries up for people around us, for our families, for our friends. But wait, now, wait, wait, can I ask a, can I ask a question? When yeah. um, you told Khalid that, uh, like when you said, like, what happened there? Or how did he respond? How did you resolve that on the opposite side of that? after he looked at his phone and still didn't help. And then, so then what happened? Oh, I just took matters in my own hands. I was just like, I kind of found like a, a point where they paused. And then before they took their next breath, I said, thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate you guys bringing the food. And then I think the wife took it as, oh yeah, of course. And then I kind of looked at Ted and like, get up and shake her hands and go. And he got it then. Like as soon as I said that, I think he was like, "Oh yeah, okay, we'll talk soon," you know. And were you pissed at him afterwards, or did you I, I talk was, about it even further? I was a little upset because he's like master of stealth mode. So like when we go out and he wants to try to send me a signal, like we're usually on the same page because I know he likes to send little signals and like pick up on body language. So I was like, "What was going on with you? You were like not on the same page as me today," but. I mean, we kind of laughed about it because I was like, my booze were leaking, my juice was crying. Uh, but I think at the same time, too, he realized the physical, you know, my physical strength was depleted. It just takes longer to come back after birth, you know, after so many births. Um, I mean, I was like in so much, like, not pain, but like soreness that I just didn't want people to sit next to me on the couch. Like, cause I was afraid they would like kind of move the couch and I'd be like, Oh God, you know, tensing up. Um, 
because those afterbirth cramps are just so anyways but this time around i'm trying to set up boundaries for myself um to to for mental health going into the birth and after birth you know letting go of expectations of family only knowing who has stepped up before in my past to help me with the kids and help me physically um, and emotionally and only count on those people and letting go of everything else. Um, not expecting anyone to change. Um, also, no, not letting myself get into a dark place because I think with this birth, it's not so much that I'm afraid of having a fourth child and having four kids under five in the house. I'm actually really scared about giving birth. Just, just giving birth so soon. You know, birth is such a raw opening thing. You really, you know, it's, it's that transition that we talk about that only really mothers who have natural non-medicated births go through. Kind of opening up to this is it. I have to give in. Um, you know, facing yourself in the mirror when you say I don't want to do this anymore, or you know, I'm tired, or you know shit, I hate this, this sucks, kind of deal. Um, and then, of course, you get that oxytocin rush, which is great. But then for me, it's like, oh, my God, what is it going to be like healing after two babies within a year for my body? I just, like, worry about that, you know? And, and then having, like, two active children and then my third being able to, like, walk around that time, probably, and you're already crawling. So it's like I need to... I guess just get my tribe together. Um, but at the same time, mentally being able to handle all of that and not let myself think of other things that aren't going to help me. Um, so, yeah. I want to give you big props, you know, for looking at all this and being pretty unflinching because even as birth workers, where physiologic birth is super normal for us, like, <laughs> You're in the trenches, big time, big time. And you haven't had that time. You know, it's interesting, the journey for a postpartum, somebody who advocates so strong for postpartum recovery, here's this, you know, like, you're like, oh, okay, here's my perfect example of putting a challenge for myself, right? So, yeah, um, with, with the spacing, which I know was accidental and at the same time, you know, like, the body invited this energy in, okay, we're pregnant. So. Um, <laughs> Okay, is this the lesson I'm learning? Fantastic, great, more learning. Huh, let me talk about that. Huh. Um, and that's how I feel a lot of times when I do stuff like that to myself. And I'm like, okay, this is a valuable lesson. And for real, did I just do this? Okay. Um, okay, I heard of this cool model of postpartum care, and I just want to throw it out for you guys that, um, and I don't know how to make this happen, but somebody was talking about how do you create postpartum resources for people who you know maybe don't have a lot of, funds to hire a postpartum doula or whatever and one midwife said that she creates a band called seven sisters so like um of newly postpartum women for somebody so like somebody who's like you know within their first six weeks so somebody has a baby right and then um that following week one woman shows up each day as one of her postpartum sisters and it's seven sisters and each woman like has an assignment, like I'm going to bring this food or I'm going to help knock out some dishes or I'm going to do whatever. And it's other women who are within a year of being postpartum. So they like really give that postpartum nurturing. And I was like, well, first of all, it sounds like a logistical nightmare. But then second, <coughs> excuse me, if you can manage the logistics, how nice is that? 
you know, like somebody who can come in. And she said that even one woman is like before her six weeks postpartum leave was up herself, that they would come in and support. And I was like, okay, that's really, because that's somebody who's just been there and can like really see like, oh, you know, that wasn't helpful or this is helpful. Have you guys ever heard of that system before? The seven sisters postpartum support? No, I haven't. I think that sounds awesome though. Yeah. I think that's really, but yeah, logistically, I can almost like, I would, I would not want to orchestrate that. I'd be like, here, you can, you orchestrate this for me because mm -hmm. finding out everyone's schedule and then, you know, for someone to come out and figure that out. Um, cause then it's also like figuring out for you yourself, what you need postpartum, like what time you want someone to come over. Do you want someone to come over, you know, at 7am, uh, to watch the baby an hour while you sleep in because like maybe the yeah. baby wakes up at seven or do you want them to come in at noon because that's when you know you get really tired maybe in the morning you've got that energy going and you don't need any help um mm -hmm. but then noon you're like okay but i need the support around that time um mm -hmm. so i think like that too is like figuring out when you want someone to come over mm -hmm. and how long to come over I think it was set up for like an hour or something, but like, this is a fantastic app idea, by the way, when we like, and I'm interested to see what Caitlin sees because says, because sure, her mind thinks differently, very differently than mine. Um, but that seems like an app. If you said, okay, like I can come for an hour and these are the windows that I'm open and I can be one of the seven sisters and I can be the, you know, taking out the trash sister or holding the baby for while you take a shower sister, or I can be the whatever, you know, like, I don't know. What do you think, Caitlin? Um, it sounds like a meal train thing like you can very much set it up the same way as a meal train um so that we could use an app that's already pre-existing and say okay i'm bringing this but then add your chore on when you do it or whatever um so for me i feel like that's actually starting to build your community because that's something i see in mom groups all the time is i need friends and i want to find people who have had babies at the same time that i have and somewhere in the same age range because you're going through the same ticket at the same time right like oh my baby's seven months my baby's doing things that are seven months not 18 months so it's a challenge to find people that way so I think that would be a really great resource to build for someone um again logistical nightmare but I think it would be really helpful even if someone was just coming over to like check on you so that you didn't feel alone you know if you were nursing together, if you're doing diaper changes together, and all of a sudden you have a question because you've got a different diaper issue than somebody else, or yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing that people don't realize with postpartum. It's not so much like helping in the house um, or holding baby, you know, so you can go take a bath or a shower, but it's it's also having that company of someone else, you know, so when your when your partner goes back to work or or the family leaves, it's like being alone and just having someone there to fold clothes with, to, you know, um, have that other adult that's just sitting on the couch hanging out with you while you breastfeed or change baby, like Caitlin said. I think that was like uh, a huge wake up call for me with my third. Um, I was just like, man, it gets lonely in the house. <laughs> I need some like adult conversation with this newborn and two toddlers. Um, but well, I found the um, link that I wanted to read it to you guys. Okay. So. Hey, y'all. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk. 
afterbirth style. Well, Nicole Franklin Morales, who is somebody I greatly admire, and I, she's a midwife in San Diego. She's one of the spinning babies uh, facilitators, and I'm going to actually go take her spinning babies aware practitioner course. Like she's one of the teachers that Mary and I are doing um, over Valentine's Day ish. But so this is her post on social media. What happened to people's visions of postpartum support centers or mothers helping other mothers postpartum out there? Looking here in San Diego for community to show up to help. What networks are out there? I remember when I was postpartum, I would get asked by my midwife to help out someone nursing nearby or connect with someone else with a fresh baby. Or maybe there were midwives in training who helped as they saw that it was part of their work. Asking for a friend of a mom in need, but also for when it comes up for families I assist or know as well. What models are out there beyond San Diego when postpartum doulas aren't affordable and family isn't there to support? So this was somebody's response. I put in, hey, we have a support group, um, gave our group a plug. But she goes, I've organized seven sisters groups where seven women in my classes come together to support one mother after she gives birth. They each pick a day of the week to go and take care of her for six weeks. I coordinate the caregiving day, day by day, what to feed her, massage, etc., and then we set a schedule. We know mother gets fed, belly binded, massaged, house cleaned, and grocery shopping done, and of course sitting and listening to her journey, all by these seven women. It's wonderful. My focus lately is teaching the family how to give proper care. Many of my students and clients turn away family help because they don't understand what the needs of the new mother actually are. So expecting mothers to feel, expecting mothers feel, so expecting mothers feel it's more stressed than having their family come to help. This is a missed opportunity for bonding and relationships, building of families. If the postpartum mothers, moms, mother-in-law, sisters, partners, friends know how to care for her, it would make it a lot easier. I teach families what a mom can eat and when and how to bind her belly, how to massage her, and how to listen to her emotional journey. This empowers the families and builds up. There are a few of the things I do have been focusing on my career as a postpartum doula. Thanks for the topic. So. Oh, and then there's also, um, for somebody who's a, I don't know what this, is it a Jesuit? I forget. There are always my core women's group, the Relief Society of the Church of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, those are Mormons, aren't they? Women with a commitment to provide relief and service to and for their neighbors. So there's some you know, specific to theology. But I thought that Seven Sisters was pretty cool. But yeah, back to the kind of a, a headache to make work. Oh, and then Caitlin, you already said, um, for somebody that you can nurse in front of, that's true too, right? Yeah. So anyway, that was the Seven Sisters post. Any more thoughts on that? I think that would have been really helpful for me um, with both of my babies because I needed adult conversation. I didn't need the other stuff, but I did need um, other support. And it's true that your family feels like, oh, well, let me hold the baby and let me do this for you. And that's not really what it is. And I just, I needed a mom to just sit there and support me. And like, sometimes I remember when Skylar was born, my mom never asked to hold him. I would say, mom, do you want to hold him? And she goes, of course I do. And like her face would light up, you know, but she would not take him from me. Um, and more and more, I just miss the way that she took care of me postpartum because I thought she was doing nothing. I'm like, why aren't you doing, you know, like anything with the baby? And she didn't, she just let me do this stuff with the baby. And she went downstairs and made me a sandwich, you know, like, um, which was huge. And that's, but I had that adult conversation every day, right? And that's, I think, the part that I was missing most. Um, also, because especially inviting people you don't know into your house, and even people you do know, especially, 
you don't want them to be cleaning your house because you don't want to feel like you're being judged be that because it's not clean enough or it's um, not up to somebody else's standard, especially in your family. Um, and also because you feel awkward asking for those things, right? You're like, even though you're postpartum, you're like, I don't want to have to ask anyone for this. So it's also up to the person that goes over to just do it and not offer. Um, you know, oh, there's dishes in the sink and not even say, I'm going to go do your dishes. You just get up and do the dishes and they walk in and go, oh, my dishes are done. Thank you. You know, um, that that's part of it too. I think even another part of if you like hire help is letting go of that control, you know, because you're like, I'm paying this person to help me in the house. So from like, from my experience, it was really hard the first few days to let my postpartum doula come in and do stuff for me where I was like, you know, she was still learning my, my, my kitchen like learning where the teas were learning where the mugs were learning where things were. And so it would take her a little longer and I'd be like, let me get up and just do it. Cause it's just faster if I do it. Um, but you know, thank God she'd scold me and tell me to go sit my ass down. What are you doing in the kitchen, Adila? Go back into the living room. I got it. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, okay. Um, and also getting over that, like, because I can be really OCD, like things have to be done a certain way for me. You know, like I got to fold, I got to fold my clothes a certain way or um, make my bed a certain way. And so she would make my bed differently and it would like bug me, but at the same time, I'm like, no, like, Later, you know, I, I realized it's, I'm about to get back in that bed anyway, so who cares? Um, and it's neat, and that's what matters. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not like I got a photographer coming in here to take photos of my postpartum house. Um, so letting go of that OCD control of things need to be done my way, or it'll be done faster if I just do it, just like trying to relax and take a deep breath and letting someone take care of you because that's what they're there for, whether you call them in as a friend to come do it or it's hired help. Good points. I love that part. They're not there to take a picture of your postpartum bed. <laughs> right, right. I went and checked in with somebody who had a surgical birth, like a planned surgical birth, and, um, and she didn't breastfeed, she's bottle feeding, and just kind of doing a postpartum check-in on her birth. And she said the part that was the most upsetting for her was her mom, um, like her whole family, like kind of bombarded her when she had the baby, like the first day, they just like all dogpiled in and stuff. And I was wondering if she was mad that I like didn't set enough boundaries with her family. But one of the things that she felt like she had to do was like, um, let her family be there so she could get the postpartum help from her mom, you know, so it was kind of like a trade off. But because I remember talking about it before she had the baby and then afterwards, she's like, you know, one thing I wish is that I hadn't had anybody come that first day in the hospital, but I'd had him come the second day. And I was like, well, we talked about that and you were worried that your mom would be angry and, you know, not retaliatory, but her feelings would be hurt, you know? And she goes, well, you know what? I'm angry and my feelings are hurt and this is my body and my baby. And I'd rather that you know, that I had taken care of myself. Instead, I'm angry and I'm pissed. And I felt like um, the baby is bonded to me, but maybe my bonding is not as strong as it could have been. So I wanted to throw that out too, that maybe nobody comes that first day. And then afterwards, when we get our um, whole game organized around that, do you, have you guys ever thought about that direction? Like too many people the first day or timing? 
Go go ahead, Caitlin. Um, yeah, too many people first day or you feel obligated to like call everyone immediately and do X, Y, Z immediately because, oh, I, like I want to let everybody know. And this goes back to even deciding um, the way you want to do it, right? Because of badge TV, as Rowan will attest, because everyone's already paying attention, right? And so you feel like you're obligated to let them know immediately that you've had a baby. Um, and I feel like I, I have a friend right now who's due any day. Um, and she was due, she's due mid-January, but she told everyone her due date. And everyone's like, oh, have you had your baby? And they were like, oh, did you have a New Year's baby? How cool would that have been? And I'm like, go away. <laughs> like, leave her alone. She's, she's enjoying the rest of her pregnancy. Um, but yeah, it feels like obligation. And a lot of this, I feel like it's 2020, like you have to go through it almost. You feel like you try and make the best decision you can. And then all of a sudden you're upset and then you would do it differently next time. Right. Um, and then that's part of the hard part is you're just trying to make an educated guess, right. On what might work best for you. Go, Mamadi. That was um, uh, my experience. So I've had all home births. And um, with, I think it's different too, like depending on your situation. Like, you know, if you have like kids and you are relying on family members um, or friends to take care of your kids while you're in labor with your second, third, or fourth child, you know, you obviously need to tell some. Buddy, hey, I'm kids a labor. Can you pick up my kid? Um, if you don't want them there, and that was the case for all my births. Um, but we didn't. So with my second, uh, everyone came over to the house pretty much like as soon as she was born, and I was getting stowed up. I remember in my bedroom, and Hedid would come in, and they were like, he was like, they want to see the baby, and I was like, no, so I just so you just wait, just wait, like I. I'm getting sewed up right now. <laughs> uh, I haven't taken a shower. I want to see my baby and they can wait. Um, and they did. I mean, they waited an hour and then, you know, saw the baby. But my lesson in that was setting boundaries for family with my third birth. And so I told my husband to tell his family um, that we would let them know when the time was to come over. And I was more on the, I need a day as a family to us for ourselves. Um, and then when it was time, when I went into labor, I didn't even tell, I didn't tell my parents mostly because they were traveling and I didn't want them to worry about me while they were like on a road trip. Um, but we didn't tell them I had given birth until after I gave birth to the baby. So they didn't know I was in labor. Um, and that was good because I didn't want text messages bombarding my phone. Being like, are you okay? How are you doing? Right. Um, and then with my in-laws who took the girls, we didn't tell them until pretty much like an hour before I gave birth. They're like, hey, can you come pick up the kids? And it worked out because it was on a Saturday, so we knew they were home. Um, and they had no idea I was in labor. Um, but I will say, like, making sure your communication with whoever you are setting those boundaries up with is good. Because there was a miscommunication where my father-in-law thought we didn't want them to come over for a week before they saw the baby. And I kind of was like, what? <laughs> where did that come in from? And he thought it was like a Southeast Asian cultural tradition. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, 
that didn't happen with my first and that definitely didn't happen with my second. And why would that all of a sudden come up with my third? Um, so I kind of looked at my husband, like you didn't communicate it well enough, <laughs> like something weird got mixed up in translation. And I didn't want them to think like, no, I don't want to see your face for a week. You know, um, this is their first grandson. I know everyone is excited. I was, and so, you know, I told Ken, I was like, can you just home? Like, we just need 24 hours, like a day to catch up and, and be a family of three. Uh, and they were really, uh, you know, respectful of that. My, my father-in-law dropped the girls back off. He didn't even come in, in the house to say hi. He just dropped them off at the door and, um, we didn't see them until 24 hours later. So that, that worked out. But yeah, my, my tip would be to just communicate for your reasons why you want those boundaries and reassuring, you know, everybody that you love them and not trying to step on toes or, you know, upsetting anybody, especially when they're outside family members. Cause at least for me, I feel like my parents would always understand, you know, just kind of like that unconditional love. I love how the baby is eating a diaper right now. <laughs> yeah. A clean well, diaper. Know, third, third baby, y'all. I just give them whatever. It is clean, just so you know. It's just, just baby. Like when um, I was working with Shannon, we had uh, somebody who came in and she was pregnant. I think that's with her second baby. And her first baby, she'd done all this stuff and she always looked super coiffed, you know, and like put together. And then for her second baby at her prenatals, she just looked, you know, like ratty as hell. And she just like had some sweats on and whatever. And one day the kid comes in holding a bunch of OB tampons in his hand like this. And like, and her, she goes, my husband is like, what does he have? And she goes, I don't know. He found him in a drawer. I can't get him away from him. It makes him happy. And when he has those in his hands, he's not tearing up other shit, you know? So I just remember her coming in for like four prenatals in a row with a kid with two fistful of tampons, you know? And she's like, whatever. I don't care. She's cracking me up. So, well, what do you think about if you try to set boundaries like this patient that I just had? So, um, where I was her doula, where, um, she tried to set boundaries. In fact, it was crazy. Like her, she had a surgical birth and she didn't, she's kind of, she's mildly famous. So she didn't put her name on the hospital or whatever, you know, like her room or whatever. It was kind of in like almost in a private suite. And so then her parents came and like had all this clothing and was ready to, it was around Thanksgiving. So they were ready to get their, the baby's picture made so they could put it on all their Christmas cards. And the mom, the grandmother had posted it on social media that she was traveling to Houston because her daughter was having the baby even though her daughter said mom do not do these things right and so then she was like oh can I change the day baby's diaper can I touch the baby and I kept saying you know like the mom the the person who gave birth is going to be the person who's holding the baby like we've talked about that and I was almost to the point where I was like a big fucking bitch right and then she's like well we're gonna go eat and then we're gonna come back and so and I was like you know what happens when you have a baby it's more tiring than you think even if it was a surgical birth and you didn't labor or all whatever, because that was, we just had surgery. So like, you know, how hard was it? No, dude, no. Even a planned surgical birth is still a birth and it's hard. And it's, you know, it's all deserves. It's like, so maybe you go eat and you don't come back and you just let her rest and be with the baby, you know, and you can come back tomorrow. And I said that like seven different ways and apparently that sunk in, but I remember getting so frustrated because nobody would leave. And I was like, well, I'm going to leave because she needs to rest. So we're all going to leave. And then um, somebody was going to come and the photographer was going to stay and take a picture with the baby. And then the parents were like, oh, we haven't seen her since she was in middle school. Can we stay too? It's like they just never would get a clue. And finally I was like, look, you are not helping your daughter here. And then they were like, you know, started the eye rolling and like, oh, what a bitch, you know. I was like, okay, I've done my work here. I have to leave now. So how would you, do you guys have any thoughts around that or 
I don't know. Maybe I just needed a bitch about that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, and, and that's why I think it's important to, to try to figure out what you would want beforehand and having that communication and talking to the family about, I don't want you there. It's not I'm against you. It's just, you know, whatever. And, and I think, as mothers too, after going through, whether it's a, a surgical birth or a vaginal birth, it's um, being able to rely on that person, whether it's your spouse or your doula to make those hard, you know, kind of like get out, get the fuck out. Like we're done. Like, thanks for coming, but peace. Um, and so making sure you have that person in that space, you know, ready to, to protect your space uh, after birth, if you need it, you know, because, like, mm, I was gonna say. So with my second, I didn't, I didn't want my mom there. I just didn't want her in the room because she wasn't there for my first, and it was accidental. Like she was supposed to be there, but she wasn't. Ended up being perfect. And I was like, you know what? This is just between my husband and I. And that's all I need in my room. And um, I had a really fast birth, and my mom came to pick up my daughter, but she was already picked up and. Anyway, she heard me pushing and she was just like, I'm coming in. I kind of moved my husband aside and was like, I'm staying, like I'm coming in. And Patty, my midwife, knew I didn't want her in the room, saw her walk in and said, threw her a towel and said, here, can you put this in the dryer? And then can you um, just keep it warm? And when you hear the baby cry, you can come back and give it to me just to get her out. I didn't even know she walked in though. Like I was in my own space, but it was, you know, it's kind of like telling your birth team or your, your whoever is going to be there that you want there. Look, this is what I don't want, you know, so that they can hopefully act quick for you um, in protecting that space. And so again, it goes back to communicating and trying to figure out what you would want and what you wouldn't want. Did you ever go back and tell your mom, like, I didn't want you there. Why did you do that? Um, I, I, I didn't ask her like why, I mean, I knew why she came in because she's like me and she's very, um, strong headed. And I, it's just, you know, I didn't need to know why she just, that's my mom. That's how she does things. Um, but in the end it really didn't even bother me because I didn't even notice her in the room. Um, and I actually found it really funny because there's a photo of her. I guess like when she walked in, there's a photo of her walking in and she's very, looks very uncomfortable because <laughs> she's like standing in the background and she's got this look of shock on her face and she's like holding her arms, kind of like, what? <laughs> so to, to me, it kind of ended up being kind of comical because she didn't, she didn't step into my space. She was in the corner of the room and she didn't say anything when she came in. Um, so I was still very much, I guess, in my own head and concentrated on pushing my my baby girl out but uh but yeah I did ask I was like why you know why did you come in when you know you didn't and she was like well I heard you and your father was freaking out and he was like I'm leaving and headed was clueless at the door so that was the other thing is that even though my husband knew I didn't want her in he couldn't stand up to my mom he couldn't, he couldn't do it in that moment. He was very like, I don't know what to do, right? Like, I got to go back in the room because Adil is pushing the baby out right now. And my mom was just, I think, saw that look on his, like, confusion on his face. And she was like, let me lead the way. <laughs> like, move here. Let me help you lead the way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but Patty, my midwife, she 
is a bulldog in her own right and told my mom, here, this is your job. Be gone. I'm so proud. That's good. Way to go, Patty. Yeah. Dalen, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I think it's really important to essentially assign that role to someone of like, you're the space keeper, right? Um, I had one client one time that um, she said, I don't want anyone except you and my husband in the room and whatever nurses and doctors have to be there, right? Um, And then I get there and all of a sudden her best friend is in the room and I'm like, you said you didn't want anyone. Like, what do you... You know, and she was like, well, mostly that was from my parents. And I was like, oh, okay. But, like, I found a way to get the best friend out of the room to, like, have a chat with them before they were so deep in labor that, like, they didn't want to change it. But she ended up leaving right before she wanted to push anyway. She said, okay, I need to push. And the best friend skedaddled. But it was actually really good because she was, like, making her laugh and doing the things. And, like, it got pre-approval, right? Like, I made sure that there was pre-approval. But sometimes it's also helpful um because if if you don't want to be the bitch as a doula or the birth worker especially if you're in the hospital you can you know enlist the help of doctors if they're also not listening to you as the doula of hey you need to leave right you can say hey nurses could i have some help could you say only these people are are allowed in the room and it's just like you need to have that authoritarian or that authority and sometimes you need to enlist the help of other people and say, okay, this is how hospital policy, you need to leave, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but finding that person, right, that will, that has the wherewithal to stand up to whoever's going to be the hardest person to get out of the room um, when it's needed. And that's really important. And you can also, like, I've had clients tell the hospital that they don't want pe- anyone in there but the doula. So the front desk lady will have it, like, noted next to her name that no family members are allowed to go back in there. And people just don't even know that that's an option. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing, too, is, like, you know, when I have clients, I talk to them, like, okay, who do you want in the room during labor? Because sometimes you want that company in early labor, right? Things are slow. Um, and then when things get intense, do you want people to leave? Because that's when you're really kind of, you know, in your own world, kind of concentrating on yourself. You don't want to worry about entertaining others or if they're bored or what they're doing um, at that time. And then who you want to leave um, during pushing, right? Because you could have you could have your best friend come, like you know, like Caitlin's client come and have keep you company in the early stages of labor, but then head out during birth uh, when it's time to push. So talking about those options too and trying to figure out what you would want. I want to say also that when you've been charged with clearing the room, the person who wants you to do that needs to back you up too. So when you say, all right, it's time for you to go. When they look at the the patient or the client, the client's going to be like, yeah, you know, not like, Oh, well, you know, like they got to support your, you know, they wanted you to do this. So when I start doing it, support me in doing it. Otherwise it's not going to stick or whatever. I was at a birth one time where there was like so many people there. And I was like, this isn't working in her labor. It was a home birth and she was slowing down, slowing down. And so then, uh, this is when I was a student midwife. So it was major vag TV, which is when everybody's like so focused on, you can't even make a twitch without people losing their shit. And then, um, it was with Shannon. And so um, I said, well, you know, why don't you and Shannon talk and Shannon's going to check you. And so then I like crept the crowd out of there for like 45 minutes for to like an hour. 
And then everybody just kind of stormed the door and went running in. And it was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, you know, her labor's not great. Well, she wanted me to be here. Well, I'm telling you now that, you know, it's not working or whatever. So just let, as long as the, if somebody charges you with crowd control, that they will support you when you start to do, be the crowd manager, you know? Um, And I wanted to tell you, there was a birth I was at, and I know we've all been at these births, where there was a mother who just like, she didn't have a good relationship with her daughter. And her daughter was, you know, pregnant and early labor and prodromal and, she just was like, oh, I'm just so nervous. I'm just so nervous. I'm so nervous. Oh, and I'm dying of cancer, but I'm just so nervous. And so, of course, that woman ended up transferring and having her baby in the hospital, you know. So when you have an agitated, nervous person, they don't need to be around your birthing space. This is like a dog smelling fear, you know, like if things are going to shut down. It's not going to work. So. Well, anything else you guys want to talk about? Oh, I know what I want to say. Um, I'm going to take a sewing class, so <laughs> bread-making exercise. <laughs> I know that I know how to sew, but um, I feel like just starting at the beginning, taking some sewing classes is a good idea. So I'm going to put a link to where I'm going to start taking them, and we can start talking about who else is going to do it with me. But um, And it's kind of free-flowing, and it's a place on Memorial. So if you're in Houston and you want to come sew, it's at the, the Nimble Sewing Place or something like that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I'm going to start working on that as my next bread-making exercise. And what will I be learning how to sew? I'm really still working on my maternity shirts and my um, modifying pearl snaps to be good for fat people or maternity. So I guess plus size or queen um, and maternity. And so I just don't understand really about like hem joining and following a pattern very well and stuff like that because I can surge anything. But actual sewing on a sewing machine is a little bit different for me. So I'm going to take some classes in that. And um, Dr. Blythe and I have an alternate couture site. Um, on Depop, so we're selling stuff up on there, and that's kind of fun. So, and it's mostly like just a fun project. But for 2020, I'm really working on getting my look down a little bit better. And um, but it's a functional look, you know, like for birth workers, how do we do the stuff we do, or for moms, how do we do the stuff we do, and um, still have our look down. So that's kind of what my goal is. So, but um, I'll put that link for both the Depop and where we sell, and then also the sewing classes I want to take, and we can keep talking about it. <laughs> So just because I think it's fun, it's a good personal development. Still making lampshades too. Made a cool one for my brother-in-law the other day. So that's good. So anybody else do anything in the personal development department? I'm recalking a bathtub right now. And then, oh, for Christmas, I got a wood lathe. So I'm very, very excited. Um, you did? What are you going to make I on it? What, like, what's the... What's What's the vision with that? Everything. I can't wait. I just want to like make everything on my wood lathe. I've wanted it for years and years and years and years. And my husband spoiled me and got me like the best one with the best tools and all of it. And I'm super excited about my wood lathe. Mama D, I feel like we should be having more show and tell here, don't you? Like, come on, Caitlin, where's our where's our cool wood projects? I haven't gotten it set up yet because I got to build a workbench so that I have somewhere to actually set it. It's so heavy. It's like 157 pounds or something. So I need the right um, workbench to set it on. So after this, I'm designing a workbench to put it on. Um, Right on. Yeah. Right on. All right, my loves. Well, that's it for us here at Progress Can Be Choosers and After Birth or Fourth and More Support Group. And we're coming every Tuesday now. Look at us making it every Tuesday. And this is our third season, our third year doing it. So 
Um, we have some, our logo's been updated and stuff like that, so I'll freshen that a little bit. But here we go. Do you guys have a topic idea for next week? I'll come up with something. Well, we keep talking about hobbies. Right? Hobbies, okay. Moms and hobbies. Okay. That's what we'll talk about then. We have such a plethora to talk. I mean, and like even stuff like you can do with your kids too, right? Like I've been making shrinky dink earrings and all sorts of stuff. But also like stuff that you don't need to do with your kids because like I love to paint and I like I just I haven't done it because I can't do it if my kids are around. Because once my daughters see the paintbrushes out and the paints, they're like, paint time! And they take over everything. And then it's like, well, there goes my my peace and my, you know, solemn and my creativity because I'm too concentrated on them spilling the water and, um, you know, getting paint on each other, which is fine and all, but it ends up being their project and no longer mine. Right on. Look at that boundary. We're not going to talk about what we're going to do with kids. We're doing it for ourselves. <laughs> all right, my loves. And I'll see you in, oh, I almost said two weeks. I'll see you next week. See you that time, same bait channel, bat channel. Or we're going to work on getting our easy text, which is a reminder on point, and away we go. All right, I'll meet yourself. We'll tell each other we love each other because we do. Love you guys. Have a good week. All right, love you guys. See you next week. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.